Good morning. It is January 7th, 2024, and this would be episode 39. Do I need to keep telling you what episode number it is? Is anybody keeping along? Oh, it's 39, not 38. I don't know. I just like saying it. It makes me feel like I'm making progress to see the number go up each day. So it's more for me. So if you notice, I am in a little bit of a different surroundings here. Ooh, This is the Canyon Creek Bed and Breakfast in Montrose, Colorado, everybody. Coming to you live. And by live, I mean when I recorded this last night and published it this morning. So, uh, yeah, so last night I had the second show of this little mini tour that I'm on. It was a really, really fun show, sort of a unique setup. Um, there's this, uh, real estate broker in town named Kendra, who actually owns this bed and breakfast. And she just self produces these comedy shows, I think as a way to connect the community. Maybe it helps her business. I don't know. It was really interesting. Um, she said she'd been doing it for 12 years, a comedy show. Uh, so last night we did it at the the Bridges Golf Resort in Montrose, Colorado, a really nice uh, resort. And I guess typically they have it in their restaurant, but their restaurant is closed for renovation. So it was just sort of up in this like second story of this resort, kind of looked like a sort of a like conference room type uh, set up and they just put tables and chairs in there and we're serving alcohol and the place, the room was packed. It was really, really fun. The audience was super great. And I'll tell you, these two shows have been really good because <laughs> I am still sort of reeling emotionally from that New Year's Eve gig. For those of you who have been following along know that I had uh, probably the worst uh, gig of my professional comedy career and I've had a lot of bad gigs. Um, but this one was just particularly uh, difficult. And I have been talking a lot about it. I should probably stop talking about it and move on. I will hopefully get to that place. Um, I am actually, I'm doing something very uncomfortable for me, but I've talked about there's only uh, growth and discomfort. I'm actually posting a clip from that show because I did record it. And the clip I'm posting is cringe. It is cringe. And why am I doing that? It's, oh man, it's it's been an interesting psychological journey as I've, a bit, because as soon as that gig happened, what I wanted to do was just delete the footage and pretend it never happened. But there's something in me that just says, no, you put all your good clips out or your good enough clips of you doing well, of you getting laughs. And, you know, I'm stepping into this new phase of transparency where I'm just trying to be as real as possible about what it's like. And I'm going, you know, it's kind of not fair to only post clips of me when I have complete control over what part of the clip I'm posting and to make sure that, you know, it's I'm getting an audience response that's positive. And, you know, what if I actually put some of the bad out there when it doesn't go well, when it is a struggle, when I do lose the audience, when it's not funny and let P 
people experience that and see that and to see the other side instead of me sort of presenting this online persona that every time I step on a stand-up comedy stage, it goes very well. Most of the time, it goes very well. But there are those times. And last Sunday, New Year's Eve was one of those times. And I have just kept thinking all week, you know, I should I should post a clip from that and just be okay with people seeing me at not my best. Would I say it was my worst? I mean, I've been in worse places in life, <laughs> you know, emotionally, spiritually, you know, financially. Um, but, you know, in terms of comedy not going well, that... It, it's pretty close to rock bottom. And the clip I posted is the kind of, not the worst clip I could find, but just, um, it, it it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch. And here I am. I'm going to blast that on the whole internet for the whole internet to see. Don't know why I feel compelled to do that. I felt a lot of, um, I don't want to say anxiety, I felt some hesitation. I felt some pause. And man, I've, I could really dive deep into the sort of psychological conundrum friction because there is one element of going for a dream where, you know, be in a flow state, do the things that are coming naturally, follow your bliss, follow your joy. Um, and there's a lot of truth to that. But it's only one side of the story. The other side of the story is there is a tremendous amount of failure, a tremendous amount of heartache, a tremendous amount of frustration, a tremendous amount of self-doubt, a tremendous amount of bad experiences, a tremendous amount of hatred and feedback, uh, negative feedback and trolling and criticism. And there's also genuine mistakes. There's me not showing up the best that I can, me having a bad day, me having an off night, me being unprepared, you know. Um, and all of that is wrapped into this sort of casserole of going for a big dream, yet I feel like the inclination for for me is to only paint the positive side and the happy-go-lucky side and the ambitious side and the go for big things and live your dreams and be fulfilled and follow your heart. And the reality is it was in my heart to post that video. And I think the reason I hesitated is because my ego was so, is so wrapped up into my persona, this presentation that I am, um, submitting to the world that you know that I crush it all the time that I am just killing life and reality is I'm not all the time and I'm still struggling to really feel like I've got my comedy worked out and I mean, even tonight, the the set, I was consistently judging myself every single joke. 
No, I mean, not harshly, not, not in a beat myself up like, oh, that was horrible. But, you know, I would do a joke and as a comic, you know, instantly if the, if the audience is laughing, especially if they've laughed at other things and you've heard a lot of laughter and then you say another joke and there's not as much laughter, it's almost impossible for me to hear two very different volumes of laughter and then not start judging the jokes and going, "Uh uh-oh, that joke didn't give as big a laugh. That joke isn't as good. I I guess I got to go rewrite the whole thing. As if in my mind, I'm somehow going to craft a set where every single joke is an 11. I just turned it up to an 11. (laughs) A little Spinal Tap reference for you. And I don't, I mean, the best comics out there, I don't think do 11s all the time. Um, They maybe get more 11s than I do. Um, So yeah, there's this self-judgment, this self-doubt that's always going on. And I think I compensate for that with this ego of posting as much comedy that's going well as possible. And so for me to intentionally post a clip of it going bad really was a challenge for me. But I really want people to see that. And I, I don't I don't know why. I'm just trusting whatever universe or God or is out there that there's a reason that I'm putting out to the world as a comedian, me not doing well. <laughs> and I've I've had enough of those sort of spiritual encounters or whatever you want to call them in my life to know that there is a difference between I'm doing something that I have a ta- uh, I, I have a hesitation for because it actually is not what I should be doing versus when I have a hesitation to do something when I know I should do it, but I don't really, but I don't want to, or there's something that's holding me back. Um, and it's very tricky for me. It's very tricky for me to navigate those two circumstances. When am I being compelled to do something from a greater source and I hesitate because my ego wants to keep me small or my ego wants to protect me? Or when is it reversed? And I, my ego wants to do something and my higher power is saying don't, but I want to do the thing for whatever reason. Or I'm too embarrassed not to, or I am too afraid not to, or I'm too um, selfish or, you know, whatever it is. And I'll tell you, I, I, I am not batting anywhere close to a thousand on navigating those scenarios correctly. And I hope that whatever was compelling to me, because I thought about it all week, all week, I thought about that set and I thought about that footage. And in my mind, I was clipping that footage And I just started thinking of the captions that I'm going to say. Comedian bombs. When comedy goes bad. It's not all fun and games. 
audience turned on me. I lost the audience. I offended the audience, you know, and I'm thinking of like six or seven different captions that would quickly communicate to the online audience that, hey, everybody, you're you're about to see something that's that's not fun or pretty and it is cringe. And and then the other side of this <laughs> and then the other side of my ego kicks in, which just like Paul, you take yourself way too seriously. You think anybody is even going to give one flying F about that clip? Like in my mind, I'm thinking like it's going to go viral and I'm going to be known as the comedian who bombs and it's going to bury my career. And it's like, no, nobody's going to watch it. I mean, the same amount of people who watch most of my videos, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I've never really had anything go super, super viral, you know. Most of my TikTok videos get about 300 views. My Instagram reels kind of fluctuate between a couple hundred. Sometimes every once in a while, one will pop off to a couple thousand. And then my YouTube shorts, you know, so if, if I'm doing really well, they'll get about two or 3,000. And then I've had some get one. <laughs> I literally have a YouTube short right now that according to YouTube has one view. I don't know if that's a mistake in uh, reporting. Because it's, it's like sandwiched in between like two, like thousand view videos each. But this one in the middle is one, you know, I, the algorithm blows my mind. That's a whole other story. The reality is, you know, it's so like narcissistic of me to think that this video, you know, me posting a clip of me doing bad actually means anything in the grand scheme. But for my own little universe, my own little narcissistic world in which you know, I am the sun and everything revolves around me. Uh, it was, it was a big deal. It was a big deal for me to, uh, to schedule that post to go out. So anybody interested in watching me do bad, that clip will, uh, post online here, uh, tonight, probably around four or 5 PM. I don't remember when I scheduled it to go out. So I have just been going through that and putting myself in this new emotional state of, you know, be okay with the fact that you had a really bad night of comedy and be okay with people seeing you not trying to pretend that I'm crushing it all the time and that life is easy and just be transparent and be vulnerable and be open to that subdue that ego a little bit more experience whatever it is that that is going to lead to whatever the experience is on the other end of me just being okay sharing that really embarrassing challenging struggle um in my comedy journey and so we'll see what happens and On to the next gig, you know. Again, had two great gigs this weekend, which sort of got me back into like, oh yeah, I actually am pretty good at this. <laughs> um, as a matter of fact, so I was the feature for uh, both of these shows and the headliner was fantastic, uh, but the the booker um, after the show said, hey, I'm going to let, let the producer know uh, that. Wait, I switched those roles. The producer of the show came up to me and said, hey, I'm going to let your book booker know that you, you're you a headliner. Um, so that made me feel good. 
because again, I was just doing a feature set. I didn't even really go all out. I didn't really do all, all of my thing because I, I didn't want to do like a lot of crowd work and stuff. Usually when you're the feature act, it's sort of a courtesy to minimize your crowd work and to stick more with your material and let the headliner um, have more freedom to interact with the crowd. And anybody who knows my comedy know I love interacting with the crowd. So I did very little of that. And, you know, I, but I had a lot of judgment and criticism just about my material and about my jokes, but I really wanted to lean on those and just say, well, I'm not going to use this crutch of going to crowd work, going to improvisation, going to riffing, which is a strength of mine. I'm just going to stick with my material. And again, I was judging it because some, you know, we're getting bigger laughs than others. So then I'm judging the material that isn't getting as many laughs yet. The producer of the show said, Hey, I'm going to uh, let your booker know that you did really great and that you should be headlining as well. So there you go. You know, I went from having the worst show of my life to a week later, having somebody acknowledge that I am, I am a headlining caliber comedian in this vast world of comedy. So anyway, that is the update for today, January 7th, 2024. I hope you're all doing fantastic. I hope your dreams are going well. As always, feel free to leave comments if you are in a platform that accepts comments. I do post all of these on YouTube. I do also post them on all of the, um, you know, audio podcasting sites, Apple and uh, uh, Google and Spotify. And so I understand on those platforms, I don't think there's a, uh, there's a commenting uh, functionality. But if you want to let me know what you're up to, what your dreams are, what your struggles are, you can go to my YouTube channel. I post all of the long-form videos on my YouTube channel at Paul Green Comedy and would love to know what you're up to, how your journey is going, what you're learning, what you're experiencing in your dreams, in your dreams, in your journey. So I love you all so much. Thank you for listening. Hope you're doing well. This is January 7th, 2024, episode 39 of the Paul Green Comedy Podcast, and I will talk to you tomorrow.